On November 10, 1821, in Hamburg, Germany, a baby boy was born to a Jewish couple, David and Rosalie Cohen. They named him Herman. At the age of four and a half, Herman began taking piano lessons, and by the age of 11, his music talents were so remarkable that his mother decided to take him off to Paris to study music. Soon after arriving, the great Hungarian pianist Franz Liszt heard Herman play and was so impressed by his abilities they accepted him as a pupil. Now, that was no small honor. At that time, Franz Liszt was easily the most highly regarded pianist in the world. In fact, he's still regarded as perhaps the greatest pianist that's ever lived. He was wildly famous also. He was sort of a 19th century version of a modern rock and roll star. Liszt had fully intended to leave all this worldly fame and fortune behind and go and study for the priesthood, but he was blocked by his own Catholic father. After that, his life began falling apart until, unfortunately, by the age of 23, when he took Herman Cohen on as a pupil, Liszt was leading a decadent bohemian lifestyle, lifestyle very similar to our modern rock and roll stars. Herman soon became Litt's favorite pupil. Though he's barely a teenager, he began traveling and playing concerts with him and spending countless hours in the companionship of immoral people, falling deeper and deeper into the clutches of sin. Herman wrote of these times, quote, My companions were early at work to fill my head with all those dreadful doctrines which, springing up from the bottom of hell, were creeping out all over the surface of this Parisian den. Soon this head of only 14 years made room for atheism, pantheism, communism, socialism, riot, massacre of the wealthy, abolition of marriage, terrorism, and a community of enjoyment and all pleasures. Evil makes great strides. I soon became one of the most zealous of the propagandists of sects that are sworn to change the face of the world. Close quote. During all this time, Herman became impossibly vain and arrogant and such a slave to his passions that in spite of the fact he made tons of money, he blew it all in gambling and high living. For years, his life was almost totally out of control. He describes those times. I was unbelievably successful in everything I did. And all the seductions of the world seized my spirit. My life was at that time a complete abandonment to all my whims and indulgences. Was I happier for it? No. The thirst for happiness which was devouring me was not quenched in the least. I was gagged, enchained by these fetters of slavery. I understood that I had to break these fetters, and I couldn't. All the young people of my acquaintance lived like me, looking for pleasure everywhere it was offered, arduously desiring riches so as to be able to pursue all their inclinations to satisfy all their whims. As for thoughts of God, they never entered into their minds. Close quotes. And so Herman spent his teen years with fame, fortune, and unhappiness. He's a miserable slave of sin. Till one Friday evening in May of 1847, when he's 26 years old, the music director at a church in Paris asked Herman to come play the organ during benediction. At the very moment of benediction, Herman was overcome with a strange sensation. Quote, My mind found itself withdrawn from the agitation of the world, penetrated by something totally unknown to it previously. I was constrained to bow against my will. Coming back the following Friday, I had the same experience, and suddenly the thought touched me 
to become a Catholic, close quote. A few days later, he's passing a church and heard the bell ring for Mass. He walked in and wound up staying through three Masses. That same afternoon, something drew him to church again. When he walked in, he found the Blessed Sacrament exposed, and all of a sudden, some power pushed him down onto his knees. Quote, I felt, as it were, a great weight descend upon me, which forced me to my knees, yes, even to bow to the ground in adoration. Close quote. Later that day, he went to a friend's house and borrowed a prayer book so he could study up on this mysterious Catholic devotion. He wound up spending the whole night thinking about the Most Blessed Sacrament. He wasn't sure what to do next, but he started attending Mass frequently. He found himself more and more excited and filled with interior joy, but he was still unsure of what it all meant. In August, still in this condition, he went to Germany to give a concert and attended Sunday Mass. At the very moment of the elevation, he burst into tears. Quote, I had often wept in my childhood, but never such tears as these. Spontaneously, as if by intuition, I began to make a general confession to God of all the enormous sins committed since my childhood. I saw them there, piled up before me by the thousands, hideous, repulsive, worthy of the wrath of the sovereign judge. And yet I also felt an unfamiliar calm which spread its balm on my soul that the God of mercy would forgive me these, that he would take pity on my sincere contrition, on my bitter sorrow. Yes, I felt that he would give me grace and that he would accept in expiation my firm resolution to love him above everything else and to convert to him from then on. When I left this church, I was already a Christian in my heart. Close quote. Herman attributed this miraculous conversion to Our Lady. When he got back to Paris, he asked a friend to introduce him to a priest who listened to Herman's story with kindness. Herman wrote, quote, This meeting suddenly rid me of one of the prejudices most firmly and deeply rooted in my mind. I was afraid of priests. I knew them only by reading novels which presented them to us as intolerant men, constantly making threats of excommunication. And I found myself in the presence of a learned man, modest, good, open, expecting everything from God and nothing from himself. Close quote. The priest began to instruct Herman, who would then go straight home and lock himself in the room in order to study the teachings of the church. His miraculous conversion took place on August 8th. It was so complete a conversion, and he studied so seriously that the priest decided that Herman was ready for baptism only three weeks later on the Feast of St. Augustine, August 28th. At his baptism, Herman saw bathed in a brilliant light an apparition of our Lord, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the saints. By November, he was convinced he had a vocation to the priesthood, but there were lots of obstacles, huge obstacles, not the least of which was paying off his gigantic debt. His gambling debts were something like 30,000 francs. It took him two years of teaching music to wipe out the debt. The whole while, he spent growing in virtue and gained the experience of living in the world as a practical Catholic rather than a party animal. At the end of the two years, he consulted a learned priest. Should I become a secular priest or religious? Have you the courage to let yourself be spit upon in the face and say no word? Yes. Then go be a monk. So he tried to join the Carmelites, but he's refused. Without a special dispensation from Rome, a Jew could not be admitted. And Rome, fully aware of his sordid past, this was a famous man, refused to grant Herman the dispensation. Herman traveled to Rome and pled his case. Dispensation was then granted, 
and he returned to France and was admitted to Carmel on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, July 16, 1849. Herman wrote to his mother, quote, The religious order I have entered originated among the Jews 930 years before Jesus Christ. The prophet Elijah of the Old Testament founded it on Mount Carmel in Palestine. It is an order of real Jews of children of the prophets who waited for the Messiah, who believed in him when he came. They have survived to our time, living in the same manner with the same bodily deprivations and the same spiritual joys that were there about 2,800 years ago. They still bear today the name of the order of Mount Carmel. Among these religious, those stemming from the Reformed by St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross are a separate group called the Discalced Carmelites. This is the branch that I belong to. Why follow this life? To imitate the life Jesus led when he came to save men through suffering, obedience, humiliations, poverty, the cross. This is the life I have chosen. Close quote. When this news reached his family, his father cursed him and disinherited him. In July of 1850, after Herman had been in Carmel for a year, his mother arrived from Hamburg, came to the monastery, and asked to see her son. He arrived in the company of the novice master. She swooned, fell into his arms, refused to be consoled, generally had a histrionic fit, and carried on till he finally had to leave and go to the divine office. She begged him to come back to the world with him, but he held firm. She spent a week there, caterwauling, carrying on like this, but he held firm. Finally, she left, cursing those who had taken her son away from him. Incredibly enough, in April of 1851, now this is less than four years after his baptism and less than two years after he went into Carmel, he was ordained a priest. His name and religion had been changed from Herman Cohen to Father Augustine Maria, the Most Blessed Sacrament. Initially, he was sent to the south of France to preach, and his preaching there resulted in the conversion of a great number of sinners and many Jews. In April of 1854, he was sent to Paris, the scene of his previously wild life. His sermon began, quote, My brothers, my first act when appearing in this Christian pulpit must be the making of amends for the scandals that I previously made the mistake of committing in this city. What right, you could tell me, do you have to preach, you whom we have seen dragging yourself around in the mud of an immodest immorality, and openly professing every kind of error. Yes, my brothers, I confess that I have sinned against heaven and against you. The mother of Jesus revealed the Eucharist to me. I met Jesus, I met my God, and soon I became a Christian. I requested holy baptism, and the holy water flowed on me. Instantly, all my sins, those horrible sins of 25 years of crime, were wiped away. My soul instantly became pure and innocent. God, my brothers, has forgiven me. Do not forgive me as well. Close quote. He turned to a group of young men present and begged them to follow him and share in his happiness. Many of the people present, including some of his former companions in sin, were touched by grace and converted. Father Augustine Marie prayed fervently for the conversion of his family, and he was granted the grace to see ten members of his family enter the church, including two of his brothers and one sister. But his mother remain Jewish to the end. His superior sent Father Augustine Marie throughout France, Switzerland, Ireland to preach. Blessed Pius IX sent him to, Ireland, to England to restore the Carmelite order. Within two years of Father Augustine's arrival, there were seven houses, including two in London. These were the first monasteries erected since Henry VIII had destroyed everything. 
In spite of his weak health, he was constantly being sent here and there. As he said, in spite of my conversion, I am always the wandering Jew. In June of 1862, Father Augustine Marie found himself in Rome. During his time there, he caught up with an old friend whom he hadn't seen in many, many years. This old friend had also had a major conversion, perhaps as a result of the intense prayers of Father Augustine Marie. And he was now a diocesan cleric and a third-order Franciscan secular. Franz Liszt had returned to the faith of his youth. They visited and played the piano together at a Carmelite monastery, and Liszt received communion from his former pupil. In a marked contrast to their former lives and a striking testimony to the mercy of God, the two old friends walked side by side, praying the stations during the psalm way of the cross held at the Colosseum. In 1868, Father Augustine Marie was stricken by glaucoma, and the doctors recommended surgery. Instead, he went to Lourdes, where he made a novena and washed his eyes every day with the water. On the ninth day, he experienced a sudden and miraculous cure. Our Lady granted Father Augustine Marie a miracle. During the Franco-Prussian War, he was assigned to a POW camp near Berlin to take care of some 5,300 French prisoners of war. In January of 1871, while giving the last rites to prisoners dying of smallpox, he caught it himself. When Father Augustine Marie was told that the end was near, he beamed with joy. The evening of January 19th, he made his last confession peacefully, and then he re- after he received Holy Viaticum, he said, Into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. His calm breathing continued until about 10 o'clock the next morning when he asked the sister who sat up with him, Can you sing the Te Deum? No, Father, I'm sorry. The Salve Regina? Yes, Father. Then let us sing it together. They sang it, and he died. There's a lot here to ponder. For the sake of time, we'll just consider a few of the lessons that he can teach us. Young people, you should specially ponder this. First lesson, the absolute importance of avoiding sin and sinful companions. Here's Father speaking of his own youth. Quote, My companions filled my head with all those dreadful doctrines springing up from the bottom of hell were creeping all over. Evil makes great strides. I soon became one of the most zealous propagandists of sects sworn to change the face of the earth. Close quote. Second lesson, the absolute importance of virtue, of leading a virtuous life and avoiding the danger of high living and worldliness. He used to say, quote, the most important thing is not to acquire a taste for the things of this world. The effect of daily prayer is precisely to disillusion us as to the attractiveness of all these things and to arouse in us the desire for Jesus alone. The God of love is jealous. He wishes to reign alone, to be loved, tasted, desired. Close quote. Finally, no matter how bad we've been, no matter how bad, we can become holy. The grace of God that worked miracles in the life of Herman Cohen, that grace can work miracles in our own lives, no matter how bad we've been. Although he hasn't been canonized yet, so far he's been declared venerable, I consider him a saint for modern times. Since he's a venerable, that means he still needs miracles to be beatified and canonized. We can turn to him and pray, especially for the conversion of our Jewish friends, 
for the conversion of our worldly friends and relatives, for the conversion of wayward youth or any party animals we happen to know. Let's close with some thoughts from Father Augustine Marie. Quote, Where are you, happiness? I have searched for happiness in the fashionable life, in the giddiness of balls and parties. I have searched for it in the possession of gold, in the emotions of gambling, in the close friendship of famous men, in all the pleasures of the mind and the senses. The majority of men are deceived as to the very nature of happiness, and they look for it where it is not to be found. They love happiness. And Jesus Christ, the only happiness possible, is not loved. Oh my God, is it possible that love is not loved? Why? Because it is not known. People study everything except him. All of you who listen to me, must it then be a Jew who comes to beg Christians to adore Jesus Christ?